You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 554 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning. In fact, it's already Wednesday morning as I'm recording this right now. Um, but an interesting night of Atlanta Hawks basketball with a third straight win for the Hawks by a final score of 130 to 120 in New Orleans. It was a shorthanded Pelicans team, and we'll talk much more about that game at the end of this podcast, or guess the second half of this podcast, but a couple of news items to hit on before we get to the actual game itself. Uh, first things first, I do want to plug a particular piece of content. It was not even from me, actually, but Jeff Siegel, good good and frequent friend of the program, wrote about John Collins. He sort of did a deep dive, embed style kind of piece about Collins and uh, how the Hawks are treating him and how the Hawks are developing him. Talked to Lloyd Pierce, talked to Kent Bazemore, talked to Collins himself, talked to a lot of different guys while he was here for a week, and I definitely recommend checking that out. It went up, went up on peacetreehoops.com on Tuesday, so if you missed that, please go ahead and please go ahead and read that in addition to subscribing to this podcast, and Jeff will be on at some point in the near future to discuss what he found uh, in addition to what you will read in that piece. But aside from that, uh, Miles Plumley was the uh, big, I guess the biggest piece of news actually broke on tu- broke on Tuesday before the game started, and that is that Plumley's season is over. Um, you might remember that I'm back on January 4th. The team announced that the, that Plumley was having a non-surgical procedure on his left knee. Um, he's not played since then. In fact, he's not played in 2019. His last game he played in was December 31st, 2018. Um, he was seemingly on the road to return, but suffered a setback, according to the team, on March 11th. And then uh, on Tuesday, the Hawks announced that he will need arthroscopic surgery to address a cartilage issue in the left knee. He's out for the season, but um, the Hawks did note that he's expected to return for training camp at the uh, beginning of next season, which is not necessarily going to be until September. So a long um, potential road to recovery here for Plumlee. No no necessarily like a timetable available because once you get into the summer, things can get a little bit um, interesting in terms of projecting timetables, but that... That was uh, certainly important to note that Plumlee will be on track to return for next season. The surgery will not happen actually until April 2nd, so he's not had it just yet. So we'll see how long that takes, and we'll definitely be monitoring and trying to get up to updates throughout the offseason. I know Plumlee is not a huge necessarily part of the future, but he is a player on the roster, and the Hawks owe him $12.5 million for next season. So you know, people were asking me what the Hawks can do about this. There's not really much they can do if he's out for a long period of time. They could start getting about insurance money, but that doesn't really affect anything except for um, Tony Ressler's pocket. So not too much going on there. I think Plumlee will be on the team to ne- uh, over next year just because because the Hawks owe him a lot of money, and just paying him to go away doesn't doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. So we'll keep an eye on Plumlee, but for now, his season is over. And uh, no indication, at least recently, that Mari Spellman's getting too much closer, as well as, well as Alex Poitras. So the Hawks might just, might just be down three bigs for the entire stretch run, although nothing is official aside from Plumlee at this point. The other big news this week, and uh, much more, um, I guess, relevant and uh, national type of news this week, was Trey Young winning NBA Player of the Week in terms of the Eastern Conference for his work um, from last week, actually, when the Hawks went 2-1. and one. Um, Young, of course, led the team to back-to-back victories against the Jazz and the, uh, Jazz and the Sixers at home over the weekend averaging 25.3 points and 11.3 assists per game over the three-game week. Just for reference, the, the NBA week goes from Monday to Sunday, so just that's kind of the, the way this, that this always falls. So, for instance, today's game was part of the new week, obviously, but um, Young had 20-10 and 10 in all three games for the Hawks. 
Um, he, of course, the win, wins over, over playoff teams definitely help. And, of course, the game winner against Philly on Saturday when he had 32 points and 11 assists also is a big-time um, reason why Young was able to win the award. It's also some justice for Trey Young, considering he was uh, snubbed pretty badly in early March. If you're a listener to this podcast, you will know that I'm not the guy who's going to go and pound on the table for uh, you know guys being disrespected necessarily in Atlanta, but I thought it was certainly uh, the case where he should have won in March when he had the 35.10 assist average for over four games, when he, when he had the 4 OT game against Chicago, which is fantastic. Shot the ball great during that stretch uh, as well and, and did not win. But this time around, he had uh, you know similar numbers to some other guys. D'Angelo Russell had a nice week as well. Joel Embiid, um, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, and Kemba Walker were all, I think, pretty decent candidates. But Young had definitely a claim to win the award, and he went out and did that. Um, the first time the Hawks um, have gotten this award for any player, uh, the Player of the Week award since Paul Millsap back in 2016. And uh, perhaps more interestingly, it's the first by any rookie this year, either in the East or the West, i.e. no Luka Doncic, no DeAndre Ayton, um, no Marvin Bagley. None of those guys have won this Player of the Week award, so shouts to Trey Young and the way he played. Uh, also coming into the game on Tuesday, which we'll talk about later when he was he was honestly fantastic once again, but coming into the game on Tuesday, Young was the only 20-year-old player in the history of the NBA to to be averaging at least 18.7 points and 7.9 assists per game during the rookie season. I put that out there on Twitter, got a lot of response to that. There were only two other rookies, um, and they were Damon Stoudemire and Oscar Robertson that have matched those numbers at any age um, with, uh, 18, again, 18.7 points per game and 7.9 assists per game. And those guys were both two years older than Trey is now. Um, I, of course, got some backlash. If you followed me on Twitter this weekend, I got some uh, heat from Hawks fans, which I understand to some degree. Um, I sort of made like an offhanded comment about um, Trey's season um, getting started a little bit late. Um, and I, I have definitely repeated note and noted on this podcast and on Twitter that uh, I thought Young was actually pretty underrated in October. He played great in October. People sort of uh, lumped in his bad start, quote unquote, with uh, just November. It's basically he had a really good start, actually. People have forgotten this, but he had a couple of huge games in October and uh, it's been sort of lumped in at least nationally by some people as a bad start it was really just one bad month or five weeks or so in November, but since December 1st, he's been fantastic, obviously, and of course he was really good in October as well, so I want to be positive about Young. I just want to make it very clear that I am a big fan of the of what Trey Young's been doing. He's fantastic in this game as well, and I think, um, you know, obviously there's been a sort of, there's been a lot of reaction, um, especially locally. I would imagine it's not quite as uh, hyper-reactive nationally, but, but with Trey Young playing this way and the Rookie of the Year debate and just awards debates in general, I've looked at the MVP stuff actually a little bit today, and that's become a heated daily topic on you know national NBA shows MVP with Giannis against James Harden. Uh, I guess this is just the new world that we're going to live in now, where every single every single year, every big award is going to be a, uh, a head-to-head, uh, you know, every single day litigation. Which I understand it's it's it certainly drives drives some content, and that's happening here with the Hawks. Um, I was probably guilty, at least I have been a little bit of uh, just kind of assuming Doncic was going to win the award, and I think Young has done a lot to close the gap, to be sure. And it's something that people have pointed out to me, and I should have said a little bit more clearly. This week, the season's not over yet. Um, I definitely, I voiced my opinion and uh, voiced my opinion on what would happen if the, if the season had ended right then. But I probably should have been more clear about that. And if Young continues to average, you know, thirty-five and twelve for the last eight for the last eight games or so, 
Um, it's just one of those things where he could certainly close. I got seven more games for the Hawks. He could close the gap even further. Um, you know, I, I don't want to make this into a big rookie of the year thing because it's more about acknowledging what Young was able to do last week as he was fantastic. And uh, NBA Player of the Week may not sound like too big of a deal, but when the Hawks haven't had a guy do it for three years, um, and a lot of people that you would think are you know top 20 guys in the league never win this award, um, it's pretty impressive for Trey Young to go out and do that as a rookie and have him earn it. It wasn't like he was an absolute slam dunk choice. It kind of caught me by surprise to some, to some extent. And then I looked at the numbers and I was like, well, he kind of had the best week in some ways. There are a couple of guys who had better numbers than he did, but only in two games. You know, D'Angelo Russell and Joel Embiid, I think both had better counting stats, maybe even Giannis as well. But those guys all, only played two games, and Embiid lost to Young straight up. So um, just one of those things. He definitely earned this one, and we will talk more about Trey Young, of course, when we get to the game itself. But shout out to Trey Young, who's been fantastic. He's an awesome prospect. I'll, let, me, let me repeat myself once again. He's an awesome prospect, and uh, it's definitely allowed for both guys to be good. Um, but I don't. again, I'm going to try to avoid a lot of the Rookie of the Year stuff at some point. We'll probably talk about it more when the award stuff is actually finalized, but for now, suffice to say, Young has been as good or better than anyone could have possibly expected, and uh, he's exceeded my expectations to be sure. He's been awesome, and um, you know the Hawks are in great, great hands with Trey Young to be sure. Alright, we'll talk more about him in a second, but before we get to the rest of the podcast, I want to talk to you about like, a new sponsor of the podcast, and that is Wise. Wise is the indoor camera that has it all, and it's packed with premium features that allow you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. Wise cameras have a 1080p full HD, so Im- images are so clear that you'll never miss the thing and on top of that wise cameras have night vision and two-way audio with a mission to make amazing smart home products accessible to absolutely everyone you can check on your home time you can check on your home anytime with the with wise's live stream app and the stream has 8x digital zoom and wise is a fantastic value at 20 dollars per camera only 20 dollars per camera because of that price Nothing is too small of a task for WiseCam. Even if you just want to monitor things, take advantage of a free rolling 14-day cloud storage with absolutely no subscription. It works with your mobile phone anywhere, and we have a dedicated URL just for us on the Lawton Podcast Network. So go to wyze.com slash locked to get the guaranteed low price. One more time, take advantage of the free rolling 14-day cloud storage with no subscription and use our dedicated URL to purchase at wyze.com slash locked. wyze.com. All right, we get into the uh, game itself on Tuesday night with the Hawks getting a 10-point victory over the Pelicans coming into the game. A little bit of a luster was was off the, uh, was off this one because of the fact that Anthony Davis missed this contest. He was downgraded to doubtful and then ruled out with back spasms. And the Pelicans are already missing Drew Holiday and each one more. So you know I know Moore isn't a household name, but clearly Holiday and Davis are the two best players on the Pelicans roster. So they were weakened as a result of that. This is the first time this entire season. Again, this is the first time this entire season the Hawks were favored in Las Vegas during a road game. Um, the Hawks were two and a half point favorites to tip off, and uh, that comes on the heels of them beating the Pelicans by 12 points at home back on March 10th. So, in some ways, the Hawks were expected to to beat the Pelicans, and they they took care of business in that way. Still on the road, nothing is assured in the NBA, and the Hawks should be credited for the way they played here. Um, early on, though, it was all Pelicans in the first few minutes. It was a 10-2 to start for the Pelicans. In fact, um, there was some foul trouble from John Collins, who fell out of this game later on. He got a second foul, and they went to Deontay Davis for uh, the first bench minutes in this game. That was sort of a sort of a theme recently that the Hawks, whenever, whenever they sign someone to a 10-day contract, they will find a time and a place to play that guy in some real minutes. You know, Jordan Seibert played some real minutes, Tyler Zeller as well. Davis, this is this is sort of his one stretch, um, and he was uh, he was able to get in there. And by the way, this is the this is the last game that's covered on his first 10-day contract. 
the Hawks are not required to give him a second, so we'll see if that comes uh, in the near future. But the, his, his, his deal expires on Thursday, so this is the last time that we'll see Davis before the decision has to be made on whether they want to give him a second one, which is something to just keep in mind there. Um, the Hawks missed their first six, first six three-point attempts, um, and then a barrage happened after that, after they went 0-6 to start. Trey Young made one through uh, midway through the, through the first period, and then Alex Lynn and Young combined to make five threes in a row. Three for Lynn and two for Young, and all five came in less than two minutes of clock time to lead a 15-5 to run for the Hawks. They never looked back from there, honestly. And in fact, the Hawks finished the the first quarter making seven of their last eight threes after starting 0 of 6, so a pretty big swing there in a lot of ways. Uh, the Hawks went to a no-point guard lineup, now especially the first quarter, uh, to the point where I was at least somewhat concerned that we wouldn't see Jalen Adams in this game, but then Adams appeared later on. They went to a Herter, a Herter, um, Bembry, Bazemore look at the end of the first quarter, which I kind of appreciated a, a little bit of a different look there. And then DeAndre, DeAndre Bembry made a big-time highlight down the stretch of the first quarter with a ferocious dunk in transition after he got a steal. He was really good in this game. We'll talk more about him later. But um, all told, the first quarter stats, a 146.5 offensive rating, which is outstanding for Atlanta. Solid shooting and 10 points, 4 assists for Trey Young. It was the third time this season that the Hawks have scored 42 points in the first quarter, a season-high mark that they've now tied three times. It was the seventh time this season where the Hawks have had 42 or more in any quarter, and it's the 13th 40-point quarter for the Hawks this season. So it was pretty darn good um, performance in the first quarter. And to only lead by eight, it's kind of disappointing considering the defense was not really great in the first quarter, but still, they did uh, yeoman's work on the offensive side of the, of the floor. A 7-2 run to open second quarter for the Hawks, and then, sorry, for the Pelicans against the Hawks. And Atlanta kind of had their one dry spell of the first half after the after that opener was to start the second quarter. Where the Hawks didn't make a field goal for about four minutes until Vince Carter made a three. From there, though, the Hawks turned it back on. John Collins had a huge block shot and then a, a lob dunk from Trey Young moments later. A 14-1 to run from the Hawks. It was a fun 14-1 run, too. A lot, a lot of highlight plays, a lot of uh, flying around offensively, and the Hawks were up by 16 points. After that, 14-1 to spurt. And at one point, Alex Len was plus 23 in seven minutes, <laughs> which was kind of insane. Uh, part of that was his was his, uh, his scalding shooting from the first quarter, but pretty funny to just sort of note that. And the Hawks took a 13-point lead into halftime. Trey had 16-7 and seven in the first half, and the team had 17 assists overall. 12 turnovers by the Pelicans certainly helped things, but the Hawks scored 65 or more points in three straight first halves. And, uh, of course, they won all three games, which is very helpful. Um, in, in fact, it, the offense continued to cook into the second um, half. They Atlanta had 88 points in the first 29 minutes, and of course they went on to score 130. They, they went up by 21 points with about two and a half minutes to go in the third period. The Pelicans did close the gap a couple different times from there. It looked like it was going to be over at that point, honestly, with, with Atlanta up by 21 with 15 minutes to go or so, but there was a flagrant foul on Alex Len. John Collins got back-to-back fouls to foul out of the game early in the fourth quarter, very early within the first minute of the fourth, including a flagrant on his sixth foul, which is a bizarre call in some ways. There's a lot of bizarre officiating in the second half, um, led by Tony Brothers and and his crew. A lot of official reviews, some technical difficulties, just sort of a slog of a second half. It was a very long game as a result of some of that stuff, but fortunately it didn't really matter to the Hawks on the scoreboard. Um, the Pelicans did, 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 did uh, climb with an 8 with about 5 minutes to go, and then again with about 3 minutes to go, but the Hawks just never allowed to get anywhere closer than that. They kept pushing the lead back out, and uh, I, I think for me the dagger was a Vince Carter 3 with about 3 minutes to go to go up by 11, and uh, from there it was kind of smooth sailing for the Hawks into their final 130-120 score 
in this game. Uh, big picture wise, there was a very, very fast paced game, as you might imagine, by the uh, 250, 250 points combined scoring. But still, Atlanta was still very good on offense on a per possession basis. A 115 offensive rating is excellent. They, of course, cooled off after the first quarter to the point where they were kind of pedestrian after the first. But that combined with the tempo allowed the Hawks to continue to lead the league in scoring and we, in terms of. Um, not per possession, but just overall scoring in the second half of the season. You know, I, I use half in quotes. The post All Star break season, um, the Hawks have been scoring at a, at a pretty high rate. Of course, they're playing so fast that that really helps too. But the offense was really good in this game uh, overall. Forty five percent from the floor, thirty seven percent from three. Got to the line twenty six times, made twenty three of them, so very efficient there. Also had thirty assists. And 16 turnovers, which is a pretty good ratio, all things considered. And the offense was very, very good. Defensively, it wasn't like it was a lights-out performance, but they did, they did enough against these shorthanded Pelicans to uh, contain them. Julius Randle kind of got had, had a couple of nice plays, and Frank Jackson had a nice first quarter especially. But aside from that, and Christian Wood playing very well with 23-9 and six blocks off the bench, that was a guy the Hawks probably could have claimed uh, on waivers, and that would have been a, probably a pretty good investment. I think you, I, I'd certainly rather have him than Deontay Davis, for instance, but that's another time for another day. But... I thought the defense. I thought the defense was, was pretty uh, pretty solid, all things considered. The first quarter was kind of a struggle, but the offense made up for it. And then after that, things settled in, and Atlanta played pretty good defense throughout the game. Uh, one one team wide note as well: the Hawks attempted 51 threes in this game. That was the highest um, total of any game this season in regulation. Um, that's a lot of three point attempts. You know, Lloyd Pierce likes to get up threes, and they like to. Uh, they, he said he of course says like the three love the rim, which is important to note. They still like to get to the rim a lot, but taking a lot of threes and making 37 percent of them is usually a good way to produce quality offense, and that definitely led to uh, that happening in this game. So um, from there, we could talk about the individual play, and we'll start um, in, uh, We'll start in this game off the bench because that's sort of the, uh, the common place that we usually start on this podcast, and the guy who led the way on the bench in this game was DeAndre Bembry, who had a fantastic game. 18 points, 6 rebounds, 4 steals, 2 assists, and a free turnover was plus 22 in 20 minutes of play. That's really, really good, obviously, across the board production-wise and uh, efficiency-wise. 6% from the floor, 1 of 3 from 3. Five seven from the free throw line, and Bembry was just flying around defensively. I thought it was the best game in a long, long time for Bembry. I thought he was just really, 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 really good, and uh, that's worth pointing out because you know he didn't, he didn't play a ton of minutes, which is uh, interesting considering the, uh, considering how well he was playing. But it was a productive, energy filled game from Bembry. I know that Hawks like that about him in a lot of ways. Um, Vince Carter had twelve points in his normal fashion with four made from the three. That was his biggest contribution to be sure, but he had some nice defense as well. Bowed up a little bit, used his old man strength in a couple different ways, and played pretty well. I mentioned before, Davis played in the first half, didn't play too much after that, if that, if at all. Six minutes, didn't attempt a shot, two points, and a rebound. I don't think he's very necessarily very good right now. You can sort of see what the Hawks see in him in some ways, but I don't, I don't think he was really that all that helpful in the minutes that he played. Alex Lynn had the huge first quarter with nine points, finished with 13 and seven, had to go along with two assists and a steal. Uh, did have four fouls in 27 minutes, but was plus 14. Played very well, I thought, in the uh, in the aggregate. Julian Adams was pretty quiet. It was sort of a, a nondescript game from him. Did not score. Only one shot attempt, no assists, and two fouls in 11 minutes. I thought he was uh, probably a negative overall. Uh, Justin Anderson played some rotation minutes here. Made his only three-point attempt. Had two steals. I thought he played pretty well. Good to see him just playing more. I know I've been pro Justin Anderson for the entire season. It's a little bit bizarre now that they, 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 they decided to play him pretty regularly, but he's uh, rewarding them to a certain extent with solid minutes. And Kent Bazemore, I thought, gave some nice effort and actually made a few uh, good effort plays here with 2.3 assists and 3 rebounds, but only 11 minutes of play for Bazemore. That's kind of surprisingly low. 
Of course, he's really been struggling offensively. That continued in this game as well with 0 of 6 from the floor. He's just really in a funk offensively, and that's probably the reason why he's playing a little bit less. But I've actually thought that he's weirdly a little bit better in this game than he had been the last the last uh, several. Just the shots weren't falling, and that's um, you know unfortunate. But you know it's one of those things. The Hawks got to win, so I'm sure he's all right with what transpired. Um, to the starters in this game, we'll save Trey Young for the for the end here, and we'll start with Kevin. We'll start with Kevin Herter. Uh, eight points for Herter on three of twelve from the floor, two of seven from three. So not very efficient from Kevin in this game. Three assists and two steals. Um, wasn't like it was a terrible effort from Herter, but he was minus fourteen. He was the one guy in the starting lineup that kind of got bludgeoned while he was on the floor, and uh, some of that's just uh, playing without Trey at, at various moments in this game. And the the non-Trey minutes were not very good for the Hawks. They were about le- they were about dead even without Trey on the floor, but um, they were minus ten with um, with Jalen Adams on the floor. So I guess they were dead even with their um, with their no point guard lineup and they were minus 10 with um yeah just one of those things it was not not great necessarily for uh herder overall but it's just one of those things where he, he I, like, I like to see him getting some more responsible with the ball in his hands but um not not the greatest two-way performance from from herder and we'll kind of leave it there for now uh, Torian Prince got some plaudits from his head coach. Lloyd Pierce uh, led the press conference after the game with um, some praise for Torian. He only took five shots, played within himself here. Eight uh, was actually plus 18, nine points, five assists, a steal, a block, and, and two rebounds. I think Prince has generally been better recently. I know I'm critical of him, and at least I've ha- had a critical of him in the past. I think he's been playing within himself more and playing better defense the last couple of weeks, and it's been uh, showing in the way the Hawks have been playing with him on the floor. I know K.L. Chenard, good friend of the program, had this, um, but the Hawks have actually been better with Prince on the court in March, which is not a huge notable thing normally, but uh, in, in the past, before this, the Hawks have been really a lot worse with him on the court for the season, so a good um, a good and positive trend for Torian, who's playing better basketball right now, if it's not necessarily um, coordinating with huge numbers in terms of, stat, uh, of stats. John Collins had a rough day at the office, 12 points, 7 rebounds, did have a couple of really big highlight plays, a couple of huge dunks from Trey Young, but only 5-12 from the floor, 0-3 from 3, and fouls out in 20 minutes. I think the officiating was not very kind to John Collins in this game, which is uh, w- worth noting. I think he was pretty frustrated. In fact, he actually went to the locker room after he fouled out, after he got a flagrant. He came back to the bench. It wasn't like he just never came back. But I think John was pretty clearly frustrated. Um, you know, it's one of those games where he, he, he wasn't great in uh, terms of, of efficiency, but didn't get the benefit of that with a whistle. And I thought he wasn't like hurting the Hawks by any means. I thought he played okay when he, when he was playing. Just didn't have the greatest Collins game in the world. Noy Devin was really good, I thought, in this game. 18 points, 9 rebounds. In fact, the Hawks combined at center. Got 50 minutes of play from Alex Lynn and Devin. They combined for 31 and 16. That's pretty darn solid, obviously. Devin was really good, I thought, just in, in, a, in a small sample size. Only 23 minutes, but 8, eight, um, eight field goal attempts made 6 of them. 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 from the free throw line. He continues to be very, very good in terms of just his overall contributions. And finally, Trey Young. I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, of course, with the Player of the Week honors. He was even better in this game. Um, in fact, he was arguably better in this game than he was in any of the others. Of course, uh, Utah and Philly were uh, high-profile games against better opponents. Opponents, which is certainly worth pointing out, and of course he had the game winner against Philly, which made that more memorable. But in terms of the numbers themselves, he was arguably better in this game: 33 points, 12 assists, one turnover for Trey Young. That's a huge game for him. It wasn't like he shot the ball lights out. He was five of 13 from three, which is acceptable to be sure, but not like elite by any means. Uh, 12 of 24 from the floor is solid, obviously very good. 
I just thought Young was very under control the entire game. When he left the floor, the Hawks were just visibly different. In fact, they had the uh, sort of the brutal downturn with him, offensively without without him in the second half, and that was pretty clear that it's just he's the engine of everything, and that's very uh, very apparent when he leaves the floor. But you know, Young was again just fantastic in this game. He got every he got everything that he wanted to off the dribble. He got to where he wanted to uh, with, with his passing. His left-handed passing continues to be just ridiculous. He's one of the best passers in the entire league. That's something that I keep saying over and over again, but I'm gonna keep saying it because it's just true. Um, he, he makes at least three, four, five, you know, jaw-dropping passes every single game. And as a fan of passing, as a uh, general rule, it makes me it makes my viewing experience a lot more interesting and a lot more exciting and entertaining. So, shots to Young for that. And uh, again, the, the efficient scoring is very good as well. And the one turnover, I mentioned this earlier. I think on Monday, I want to say that I was tweeting about this, but someone someone was tweeting. I believe it was, I believe it was Jackson Frank about Young's ambitious passing and how it leads to turnovers. And I, I kind of I kind of jumped in with just the fact that I'm okay with turnovers for Trey Young in some ways. And I, I always reference them because sometimes they're just too many. But in the same breath, you have to give what you have to be understanding of what he is um, as a player. Right now, he's a very aggressive, ambitious passer. And that's a good thing. I think with his talent level and the way that he fits things into small windows and sees things that other people can't see, you have to be okay with some ambition. And I think he had a couple of passes in this game that weren't like perfectly executed. At the same time, he was really, really, really good as a passer in addition to the 33 points. And, you know, what, what can I already say about this? You know, defensively, you could probably pick him apart in some, in some ways, but you can't really say anything negative about a 33 a 33-12 game with one turnover. And I tweeted that after the game. You know, he was the biggest reason why the Hawks won this game. And uh, that's not the first time that's happened, obviously, in the recent past. So we'll leave that there for now. But it was a Trae Young experience this entire week for Atlanta. Uh, I know I was out of pocket, and uh, I spent most of the last podcast sort of getting into the nitty-gritty with Jeff, my first individual podcast by myself, in about a week or so. But... Um, obviously, Young had a huge three-game stretch, and as a result of that, the Hawks won three games in a row. So, you know, the one thing that you have to worry about a little bit if you're a Hawks fan, and worry might be too maybe too strong of a word, but the Hawks have only a two and a half game quote lead end quote in the NBA uh, draft lottery standings right now because the the Mavericks blew a late lead in this game and lost uh, on on this night, I should say, and lost, meaning that the Hawks. Um, you know, as hot as they are, it's a good thing the Hawks are playing well, but um, there's at least some chance now, uh, you know, I've been saying for a long time that, that, that they appear to be very likely to be headed to the, the number five slot in the lottery. I would still say that now. I think it's uh, more likely than not the Hawks finish with the fifth worst record in the league, enter the lottery night and number, and number five. But with the way the Dallas is playing um, very poorly right now, then the way the Hawks are playing... It could flip. Um, the Hawks do have a difficult schedule, but of course that doesn't really matter. Recently, they had just beaten the Jazz and the Sixers, who are very good teams, and uh, you know they won a road game here that they were supposed to win. But still, um, worth pointing out. Just something to keep an eye on. I know it's been something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but Dallas playing so poorly has opened a lot of doors and closed a lot of doors and done a lot of different things. So stay tuned to this space. Stay tuned to PetriHoops.com, my Twitter feed at BT Roland, PetriHoops on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks on Twitter. All those fun places, and we will definitely update you on the progress of the uh, Hawks and the Mavericks down stretch of the season. So. With that said, please subscribe to this podcast. Please uh, check it out on, Hi- on Himalaya or Lockdown, or uh, sorry, not Lockdown Hawks, uh, Himalaya or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Player.fm, um, Overcast, any of those any of those fine podcasting platforms. If you have another one that you like, please check it out. Hopefully, hopefully we will be there. And if we're not, please let me know that, and I will fix it as fast as humanly possible. We will be back again later in the week. The Hawks are back in action on Friday night with a home game against the Blazers. I will be in the building for that one, so we'll have plenty of coverage from that game. And again, one more time, subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll see you all later in the week.